Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. Those of you worshiping the overflow this morning, God bless you. Welcome as well to all of you. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 for our Easter message this morning. So, so happy to share with you the message of resurrection. There was a, a, a man who died. He was a Christian man. His wife was a Christian woman. Turns out, though, this man had a sister who was not a believer. But when the man died, the wife, who was a Christian, stood there at the casket with the sister who was not. And both of them loved this man dearly. They stood there and were welcoming the friends, the, the family members, the neighbors as they came in to the funeral home. The, the thing was, every time a new person came in, the sister would go to them and she would cry. And she'd take him to the casket and she'd say, there he is, there he is. And she just kept saying that, there he is. And she would bring people in in tears. She loved her brother so much, she did. But she would bring him to the casket and go, there he is, there he is. And she just kept saying, there he is. Finally, the wife, who was a believer, pulled her sister-in-law aside and said, Listen to me, sister, I've just got to say something to you. If I believed for a minute that there he is, I couldn't make it through this day. If I believed for a minute that he was in that casket, if there he is, I couldn't make it. Do you want to know how I am able to stand at the casket of my husband? Because I know there he isn't. I know there he isn't. It's Easter, friends, and Easter is a time when we as Christians invite the whole world to a tomb where we can proclaim there he isn't. Jesus is not in the grave. Although he died, although he was crucified, you can go to the empty tomb and there he isn't. This is the message of Easter. Jesus lives he lived, he died, he was buried, but he lives, he rose again. The best part of the message is that this has something to do with your life. Not just a story that Christians tell, not just a Bible story or a TV movie to play once a year at Easter time. This matters to you. It matters in your life because Jesus has done something amazing for you. And I want you to understand that, which is why I turn you now to Isaiah chapter 53. The book of Acts tells us that there was once a, a man, an African man, who was riding along in his chariot, and he was reading this passage, reading these verses. And as he was reading, the question coming to his mind was, who is this about? Who is this passage talking about? Who is it? Is it the prophet or someone else? A Christian man named Philip heard him reading and heard him talking, stepped up into the chariot and told him about Jesus. I want to read this passage with you this morning and tell you about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to begin with verse 3. We're talking about Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. 
All of us, like sheep, we have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. When I was a kid, the first dog I remember, the first dog my family owned was a beautiful red collie, and we named her... Lassie, yeah, it's a no-brainer. We weren't very original or creative as a family. In those days, Lassie was on TV all the time. She was a collie. We had a collie. We named her Lassie. Loved Lassie. Lassie was my dog, a wonderful, wonderful red collie, great dog. We loved her. Thing is, one day this other dog just wandered up, and we lived in the middle of nowhere. Now we live in Woodburn, and honestly, that's town. Woodburn is a place. Matlock, where I grew up, was no place, and somehow a dog wandered out there to where we lived. He just wandered up. So we had a dog, Lassie, so we started calling this dog Laddie. I, I know, it's not very creative. That's just, that's just how my sister and I used to think. We started calling this dog Laddie, and what did my dad say? Don't you talk to that dog. Don't you be friendly to that dog. Now, why would he say that? Did my dad not like dogs? My dad loved dogs. This was a stray dog, though. It wasn't our dog. And dad didn't want the stray dog to come to our house and just live. But I did. I really enjoyed the new dog, so we named him Laddie. We were feeding him on the carport, and I kept saying, don't feed that dog. Don't feed that dog. We're not keeping him. He's not staying But I just knew, I just knew that dog was going to stay. That dog had stay written all over him. And he did. He stayed. He stayed. Until the day, listen, y'all know about that. He's a good Christian man. Don't hold this against him. But one day, and don't tell the Humane Society, but one day, my dad loaded all of us in the car. We put the dog Laddie in the car, and we drove forever. We drove as far away from our house as we could. We probably drove to your house. We drove as far away from our house as we could. I mean, we're, we're getting close to the border with Canada, and we put that dog out. We just dropped that dog in the middle of nowhere. Now, this was a 1,000 years ago. That probably was okay then. We just dropped the dog in the middle of nowhere and went back home. I mean, all the way home, I was already missing this dog. I loved Laddie. He was like our dog. But my dad said, no, you can't let that dog stay at our house. Pushed him out in the middle of nowhere. Guess what? Guess what? Before supper time, guess who was back on our carport? Laddie, all the way from Canada, baby, all the way. He came back. Laddie came back, right back on our porch. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, in our lives, there are sometimes things that just come to live with us. And we don't necessarily ask for them, and we don't necessarily want them around. But once they're there, they're just sort of there. Laddie, after that, was just sort of there. In our lives, though, sometimes the things we don't invite, the things that just show up in our lives, the things that show up on our carport are are things that we can't run off, we can't carry away. You can take it as far away as you want, but somehow it will always follow you back home. Do you know what I'm talking about? There are things in life that you don't want, things you don't invite, but all of a sudden it's yours. And what do you do with it then? You really need somebody to come and take it away for you. Take it far, far away. It'll never come back. You just need somebody to come, clean up your life, and take all of these things away. Who will do that? Imagine that you are a Nine-year-old girl, 
and your daddy gets sick. Very sick. Nobody talks to you about it, though. They don't talk to you. Your mom begins to whisper a lot on the telephone and avoid you. And neighbors and aunts, they take care of you. But you haven't seen mom now. She's at the hospital with your daddy. One day on the playground, there are friends who know your family and friends that you know well. And the friends are talking to you. And one of your friends tells you that your daddy's going to die. Because her mama said that your daddy's going to die. And you are a nine-year-old daddy's girl, and you say you're lying. You're lying. My daddy's not going to die. He's sick, but he's not going to die. And it makes you so mad. You scream at her, you liar, you liar. My daddy's not going to die. But that's the very day, the very day your grandmother picks you up at school and takes you to the hospital. And your mama and a hospital chaplain sit you down and tell you that your daddy is dying. And you go and you stand in your daddy's hospital room and you look at him and it doesn't look like your daddy and you're even wondering if it's the right room, if they have the right man. You watch your daddy breathe. And by bedtime that night, your daddy's gone. That's an awful lot of of a burden to put on the back of a nine-year-old girl. That kind of sickness, that kind of sadness. Is there anybody who can take that away from that little girl? Anybody who can carry that for her? Or imagine you're a 35-year-old man and you married your high school sweetheart and your life is going great. Your life has gone very well. You finished school. You moved out of the apartment into a house. You and your wife have bought the house. You begin to have children. Everything is wonderful. So what's wrong with you? Why is it that there is in the backside of your heart this desire to escape it all? But that's what's happening. You start to look at yourself and you've put on weight and your hair is coming out, and all of a sudden, everything you want is not what you want at all, and you begin to fantasize about leaving and escaping and just somehow running away from all of it, and ultimately, that's what you do. You leave. You leave your wife, your high school sweetheart, you leave your kids, and you move into an apartment to to find yourself, to, to get yourself together, but that's when the young woman comes, the young woman who had nowhere to go, so you let her move in, and suddenly you have a girlfriend who's young enough to be your daughter, but you love it. You love it. She makes you feel young, and she makes you feel strong and manly and powerful, and you let her move in. And at that point, you lose all of your church friends, and you lose all of your family. Nobody wants anything to do with you, but you don't care. You have this girl, and she becomes everything until she leaves you for a man her age. Night after night, you sit in that crazy apartment, just wishing you could pick up that phone and call your wife. But you know she won't take you back. And you can't call your mom and you can't call any of your old friends from church. You have ruined everything. Isn't there anybody who can come and clean that up for you? That kind of sin, that kind of guilt, knowing the life you had and the way you threw it all away. Isn't there anybody now who can come and carry that guilt away for you? Isn't there anybody who can carry that for you? It's like the 70-year-old woman who goes every single day to the nursing home to visit her husband 
of 51 years, married 51 years, but he has Alzheimer's. And you go every single day, and he doesn't know who you are. And you try to look for things to talk about. You try to find any way to reach him. But he can't talk to you. He doesn't remember you. You have lost him. And day after day, you get so tired of listening to the sound of your own weak voice. And you return home every single night, lonely, lonely as you can be. And you just wonder, isn't there anybody, isn't there any way that this burden of loneliness can be lifted off of me? Isn't there anybody who can come and take this away from me? Do you understand? There are things in our lives that just come, and once they're laid upon you, once they belong to you, there's just no getting rid of them. The sickness, the sadness, the sin, the guilt, the loneliness, the anxiety, the, the, the depression, the temptation, the addiction, just laid on your back. Isn't there anybody Isn't there any way to get out from under these things? Yes. Yes. This is what the scripture proclaims. This is what this passage is about. There is one. And this is what the scripture says about him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow. Acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And though we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. Don't you understand? The scripture is talking about Jesus. Years and years, centuries before Jesus would even be on the earth, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament that promises that there will come a day when one will come who will take everything, all of your burdens, all of your problems, all of your sin, take it on himself and carry it away. That is the promise. And that's what Jesus has done. God made him who knew no sin to become sin itself. All of our sin laid upon him, all of our sorrows. He had none of this of his own, no sorrow, no sin, but he carried yours. He carried mine. This is what Jesus has done for us, and it's what Jesus has done on the cross. He died for us. He carries our burdens away. If you've ever read your Old Testament, if you know anything about the Jewish religion, there was in their calendar one high holy day called the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was the day when the people of God would come into the temple and they would go through this enormous and wonderful ritual of paying for their sins and having their burdens carried away. But it's interesting the way that happened. As the people would gather and as the priests would begin in worship, the scripture says he would take two goats, two male goats, and would bring them before God. And then they would cast lots and one goat would be chosen for one purpose and the other goat would be chosen for another purpose. One goat would be named Azazel. It's a Hebrew word. The word is Azazel. And the word means complete removal 
or sometimes we say scapegoat. One goat would die that day in worship. Its blood spilt on the altar as a payment for sin, as a, a guilt offering for sins of the people. But the scapegoat, the live goat, had a very different kind of purpose. Listen to me. Listen to me. The priest would bring that live goat in front of all of the people and wrap a scarlet cord around its head and then lay his hands on the goat's head and start confessing sins. He would confess the longest list of sins you've ever heard because he would confess the sins of the people. Laying his hands on the live goat and saying the words, naming the sins one by one and laying all of that on the head of the goat symbolically. He would say disobedience to parents. He would say adultery and lying and stealing and killing. He would name all of the sins one by one, all of the darkest, all of the secrets named and said right out loud in worship and laid upon this goat, the scapegoat. And then you know what happened at the end of the worship service? There was one man whose job it was to lead that goat away. That live goat would be run away into the wilderness where it was, we all hope, never going to return, never going to come back. It was called the scapegoat. It was the one who carried all of the sins away. And they did that year after year, year after year, repeating the same ritual. Two goats, one dies, one is set free to carry all of the sins away. Year after year, that was their ritual. It was the ritual of the scapegoat, the goat that carried all the sins away. But there are some problems with this ritual, some problems with this whole system. The number one problem is it didn't work. It just didn't work. There is no way that a goat could die and somehow pay the price for your sin, for my sin. There is really no way to lay my sins, to lay my sorrows, to lay my problems on the back of an animal. And even to think that that animal can carry it all away. It was a symbol. It pointed forward to the day when one would really do that. But all of those years, all of the repetition, that goat could never really carry away their sins. The goat could never, ever do it. It could never bring complete removal. It just couldn't do it. Some of you right now in your own life, you kind of are the scapegoat. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you are the scapegoat. In a lot of families, in a lot of communities, there becomes a person or a group of people that we just blame for everything. And maybe you're that person Maybe in your family, that's sort of always been your job. You take it all upon yourself. If mom and dad get into an argument, or if your dad drinks and, 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 and finds himself out, out, outside in the yard, passed out, somehow that becomes your fault. If somehow your family begins to crumble, you take all of that on yourself. And some of you go through your whole life thinking that everything is your fault. You go through your whole life thinking that you are the one to blame, that you are the problem, that somehow you can take all of the sins of your parents and all of the sins of your family and all of everybody else's problems and somehow you can bear that. I'm telling you, that won't work. 
You're not the scapegoat. You cannot be responsible for the problems of your whole family. You cannot be responsible for the sins of the world. You can't do that. The rest of us, we may not be the scapegoat, so we look for a scapegoat. We love to blame somebody else. We love to think there's maybe somebody that we can blame for it all. We can lay all of our problems on them. We become very, very dependent upon a man or very, very dependent upon a woman in our life. Anybody who can somehow take responsibility for us, we starve for that. We want a scapegoat. We want something or somebody that we can lay all of our mess on and somehow they'll carry it away. They'll clean it up. They'll take care of it for us. But there is no one on earth who can do that for you and you can't do it for yourself. Year after year. They would drive another goat into the wilderness. Year after year, they would name all of their sins one by one, wrap that scarlet cord around that goat's head, and run it off into the wilderness. But year after year, the guilt came back. Year after year, their conscience remained tender. Their conscience remained guilty. Year after year, they continued to be sinners. It didn't work. The goat couldn't do that. I guess the fear you live with once you turn a goat loose like that with all your sins on its back is that it will come back. Like that crazy dog laddie in my family's life that every time you turn it, it's back on the porch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that ceremony at the temple when they lay all the sins on the goat's head, wrap that scarlet cord around its head and turn it loose? Can you imagine seeing that goat come back? That is one loaded goat, baby. Do you understand? If that goat comes back, the one that you thought had carried it all away, but that's our problem. For some reason or another in our lives, the goat always comes back to us. It always follows us. We must have someone who can once and for all take all of this away for us. Someone who will take it and it will never come back. what the Easter story is about. Do you understand? Jesus was the perfect, spotless lamb, we say. He was the sacrifice for our sins. And he was the perfect sacrifice because he was one like us, not an animal, but a human being, God's own son. And though he was completely human, he never sinned like we sin, not even one time. He never sinned. He had no sin of his own, no mess on his own back to carry. He had no sorrow, no shame, no guilt. He was the perfect sacrifice and the perfect scapegoat because God laid upon him all of our sins. Whatever sin you can name was laid upon him who knew no sin. Do you understand? Your sin, my sin, all of our lies, our adultery, our addictions, that fascination you have with internet pornography, your tendency to to disobey your parents, your tendency to say one thing and do another thing, your hypocrisy, all of it laid upon him. 
As the story goes, they laid a crown of thorns upon his head, which of course would have made a scarlet ring, a scarlet circle, a cord around his head as he bore our sins all the way to the cross. He took our sins away. He bore our sorrows, all of them. And your sin's not coming back. Do you understand that? Your sorrow, it doesn't come back. He is the one who can wipe away all of our tears. He is the one who can make your guilty conscience clean. He is the one who can take your past and remove it so far away that it never, ever comes back. He is the one who carries it all away forever. He carries it away forever. But remember I said how horrible it would be to see that goat come back home, to see that goat come back. That's the thing about the Easter story, the shocking, amazing thing. He carried all of our sins to the cross. He was buried. He died. But he came back. That's the message of Easter. He came back. So what does this mean for us? If you never want to see the scapegoat return, if that's the whole point of the ritual that he leaves and never comes back, what does it mean to say on Easter that the one who carried our past so far away has come back? He stands again before us living. What does that mean? My friend, it means he accomplished it. He accomplished it. There's no need for another sacrifice. There's no need for another scapegoat. He carried it all away. He finished. He paid the price. He canceled your sin. He wipes away your tears and he returns victorious. He returns victorious. His resurrection, of course, reminds us that he alone has the power over death. He alone has the power over sin. He alone can rub out what you have rubbed in with your life. Do you understand? He alone has carried it all away. So why are you so burdened down? Why are you on this fantastic Easter Sunday, why are you so sad? Why is your heart so full of shame and guilt? Why are you continuing to carry this mess through your life? Why do you continue to feel the guilt and pain of the things you've done that you can never, ever change? Don't you understand? Jesus is the one who takes that for you and takes it away for good. Don't you understand? That sorrow, that broken heart that you feel today, don't you understand? He is the one who can put the pieces of your heart back together. This is what Easter is about. He has that power. He does this for you. But you have to come to him. You have to allow him to take all of your sins off of your back and onto his. You have to come to him. You have to believe. You have to lay all of your burdens upon him. And you have to never, ever, ever take them back again. Sometimes in your life you feel so weighted down. You feel that death is all around you. Don't you understand that the message today is a message of life all around you? A message of hope, 
a message of sin and guilt and shame and sorrow and sickness being carried away for you. Isn't there someone who can carry our burdens for us? Someone who can take away our sorrow, our sickness, our sin? Yes, there is someone. And his name is Jesus. Don't leave this house today without talking to him in prayer, without confessing your sins to him, without laying all of your burdens upon him letting him carry them all away. But pray with me. Lord Jesus, the whole story of the crucifixion is beyond our understanding. We don't understand all of the people who shouted crucify, all of the people who abandoned you, denied you, the soldiers who drove the nails. We don't understand any of that because you were innocent. You were sinless. You were God in the flesh. You were the love of the universe. The only explanation, Lord, the only thing that makes sense is that you did all of that for me. You did all of that for us. The sin for which you died was not your sin. It was mine. The sorrows which broke your great heart were sorrows you borrowed from us. We broke your heart heart. Our sin brought your death. It was our penalty you paid. Oh Lord Jesus, all we can do today is stand before the empty tomb and thank you and praise you. Lord, you have taken our sins away and we praise you that they're never coming back. Other people may remember, but we praise you, O God, that you will never bring our sins up again. They are taken away forever. And Lord, you have borne our sickness, our sorrow, all of our stress, Lord, all of it laid upon your back, and you have taken it for us. So Lord Jesus, today, in what remains of this worship service, let us be set free. Let us be set free of our guilt. Let us be set free from the fear of death. Let us be set free, Lord, from all that brings tears to our eyes, shame to our hearts. Lord Jesus, you're the only one who can bear our burdens for us. So, Lord, humbly at your feet before your cross, we lay it all down. Give us grace, Lord, to lay it all down, never to pick it up again. We pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask you now to respond to the word of God that you've heard. It's not.